0: you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit multrimobile.com. This episode of The Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform designed for and by outdoorsmen. Go Wild is a place to connect with other outdoorsmen, find fishing and hunting tips and tactics, and you can even research and buy your gear. Join hundreds of thousands of other hunters, fishermen, and outdoorsmen and experience what this community is all about. Download it today at DownloadGoWild.com
1: hey guys and gals welcome to the oklahoma outdoor podcast where you will be educated entertained and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience so hold on tight because here we go Well, folks, here we are once again back at the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast. I hope you all are doing fine. I myself am doing much, much better. Uh, the last two episodes I recorded during my COVID quarantine, but I'm officially done with that, out of it, feeling so much better. Uh, I do still have a little bit of fatigue. Um, you know like all my symptoms are gone i don't have a headache or anything like that but uh man it just physically takes it out of you and so i i went back to work uh this week and uh you know my first day back like wasn't too terrible i was tired um but you know i made it through the day but that day just completely wore me out and so when i went back to work the next day like my second day back Man, I was hurting. I about ten o'clock in the morning. I thought I was going to have to call my boss and be like, "Hey, I'm sorry, but I can't do this and go home." But I was able to power through, make it through, and uh, I've just you know I've gotten a little bit better every day. Um, I've had to be a little bit smarter, like in the evenings when I get home. You know, instead of trying to to get stuff done around the house, I've basically just been sitting in my chair and uh, and doing nothing. And so slowly but surely getting my strength back, just not quite 100%, but for the most part doing really good. Uh, My wife is also doing pretty good. She ended up losing her taste and smell. I can't remember if I said that last time or not. It was really weird. She didn't lose it at the beginning. Uh, It was like a full like seven or eight days in and then just like all of a sudden she couldn't taste anything. Um, So she's still dealing with that. Luckily, I never lost any of that. I think I might have lost a little bit of my smell. Uh, I guess I just don't notice my sense of smell that much, but, uh, um, today I was with my boss actually, and he was smelling a gas smell and I could not smell it. And so I don't know if it's completely gone or maybe it's just diminished, but anyway, not that big of a deal. Luckily, um, look, I'm glad I'm not a white tailed deer. <laughs> it might be a bigger problem then, but so yeah, all that to say feeling much better. And, uh, so yeah, this intro is going to be a little bit longer than the last couple. Cause I actually feel like I can talk. And uh, the last two weeks I was so tired, I really just didn't want to do anything. So I feel like I'm, you know, like several weeks behind filling you guys in on kind of what's been going on. So this intro is going to be a nice long one. Hope y'all don't mind. But uh, I just want to, you know, keep you guys updated. So uh, this last weekend went out to the ranch. Uh, So my, my COVID quarantine or whatever ended on Friday. So went out there Saturday and pushed it way too hard like I was technically ready to go but like I said this is probably why I was struggling so much at work this week uh went up there and um basically my only goal was to like fill the feeders um and uh we bought an old grain buggy years ago to to feed calves with um so you know we can pull it with the tractor out to the pasture and pour it into the troughs but it works great for filling feeders also and so we had some leftover corn from some calves we fattened up so like I wasn't going to have to go it or anything. The corn was already in the buggy. All I had to do was hook up to it and go. And it ended up being way harder than I anticipated. So I get there and, um, my brother had the brush hog hooked up to the tractor. So I was like, well, I mean, if it's already hooked up, might as well use it a little bit. And so I take off to go most some trails and stuff. And, uh, and keep in mind, like, where I deer hunt compared to like where the house and the barn and the shop is. It's a long way. It's about a mile and a half as the crow flies. But, you know, you have to wind through pastures. You got to go through usually at least five gates, uh, sometimes up to seven. And again, you know, like physically I just still was kind of down. So anyway, I drive all the way back there. It takes about 20 minutes to drive all the way back there. Get back there, start mowing. And I noticed the tractor's wiggling a little bit. And uh, my brother calls. And he's like, hey, you're not using that mower, are you? And I was like, yeah. And, uh, turns out one of the blades had broken off and that's why it was still hooked up. Cause they, they had it hooked up to, to work on it. So basically had to turn around, couldn't use it, turn around, drove 20 minutes all the way back to the house, unhook the mower, hook up to the grain buggy 20 minutes back. Cause I have a feeder back there. And so I figured I might as well, you know, start with the furthest one, wake my, work my way back up to the house, get back there, you know, open the feeder pin, get it out, Turn the, the buggy on. It's an old grain bin. I think I said that. Turn the, the buggy on and I hear a noise and I look and I see the PTO sa- shaft spinning, but like nothing's coming out. So I shut it down, walk it around, figured out that the bolts uh, on the PTO shaft had just sheared. And, you know, it's an old buggy. It's probably like, I don't know, I'm going to say early 80s, late 70s, maybe. And, you know, probably had the original bolts on it. Uh, so anyway, drive 20 minutes back, you know, through all the gates and everything to the house, put new bolts in it, brand new, like right out of the package or box, whatever, uh, turn around 20 minutes back all the way back there. And at this point I'm like getting a little frustrated, you know, pretty tired. So I'm on my third trip back there now, get lined up, turn it on, boom, shear those bolts. And so, The only thing I can figure is that the corn I was trying to move, it wasn't whole corn. It was cracked corn because, like I said, we'd been using it to feed calves. And so the cracked corn is easier for, you know, cows to get the nutrition out of the corn. And so I, I guess just that extra weight and that finer material, it just couldn't push it out. And so now I'm really frustrated. And I'm like, I've already spent, you know, half the day on this and haven't filled a single feeder and so luckily at this location, I had, uh, one of my blinds there and I I knew I had a five gallon bucket in it. So I climbed into the blind, got the bucket and, uh, I just start like shoveling, you know, one bucket at a time into the feeder and, um, fill that one up. And I mean, it, it completely takes it out of me. <laughs> and so, but I get it completely full, close up shop, uh, get a camera on the feeder, turn around, head to the second one. I'm on my way to the second one, and uh, I have to cross this little uh, little creek. Get through the creek, actually, okay, fine. But I think what happened was when I went through the creek, um, there's not, like, a real crossing. You know, I was kind of making my own crossing. I think the pin uh, uh, that connected the buggy to the tractor got pushed up a little bit. And I went a little further and hit a big bump, hear a noise, turn around, and my buggy is no longer connected to the tractor. And in my haste to get going... When I lowered the jack, instead of, like, lowering the jack enough to where I could turn it and you hook it, I just threw the jack to the side. I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to need it. So the buggy's laying on the ground now. Uh, I have forks on the tractor to where I can pick it up, but I don't have the jack, like I just mentioned, to put the jack on it to hold it up so I can hook back up to it. So I called my brother. Luckily, he had just gotten home and uh, waited for him to bring the jack out to me. So got it hooked back up. And, um, uh, went and, uh, so my brother was trying to tell me like, John, you don't need to be doing this. Like, you know, I'll find some time to get it done. And I was like, well, I'm already here. Like, I'm going to go ahead and, and fill this one. So, uh, drove the rest of the way to the second feeder, which I had tried. Like, so about a month ago, I went around and tested all my feeders to make sure they were running and all but one of them were good to go. And this is one of the ones I had tested and was good a month ago. Luckily, I don't know why, but just something in me said I need to test it. And I, I always do that when I fill feeders. Pro tip for you guys, always, always test your feeder before you put corn in it. Hit the button, nothing. And so I had fought so hard to get to this deal, and it the motor was out. And so I, luckily I had brought some tools with me. I just, I've just i learned from over the years to always be prepared. And so I had enough tools where I could take the motor, the whole like assembly off. So I took it off, drove back to the house. Uh, my brother and his wife asked me you know, if I wanted to eat with them. And I was so pooped at this point that I, I gave up. And so I went inside and enjoyed you know, hanging out with their family and stuff. So basically at the, at the end of that day, I had gotten one feeder filled. And my goal was to get all four on that property done that day so that the next day I could go to uh, our other property and fill three or four over there. And, uh, so that plane was shot. Um, uh, like I said, enjoyed dinner with them, uh, slept, woke up the next morning. Uh, I tried to go to Walmart. I had, uh, so at this point, you know, like I said, that one was running, but it wasn't running now. And so, um, I, the other feeder that was not running, I'd bought a motor for it. So I had one spare motor, but now I needed two. So went to Walmart, which is pretty much the only place that was open on a Sunday that might have one. They were sold out of them. And so, but I had an old feeder that I had taken from a different property sitting up by the house. So I was able to go to it and steal the whole motor assembly off of it. And so uh, instead of taking the tractor, I just piled everything into our ATV, went around to the rest of the feeders that I hadn't filled, fixed the ones that were broken, checked the other ones just to make sure I had them all running, and went ahead and put all the cameras on them and stuff like that just so I had you know less mess in the tractor. So I went back to the house, get back on the tractor, the PTO still not, I, I, I figured it was worthless to try to put more bolts in it, because I figured they were just going to keep shearing. So basically, I spent the rest of Sunday driving around and uh, loading five-gallon buckets of corn and pouring it into the feeder, and again, like I'm still recovering from COVID at this point, and it absolutely killed me, absolutely killed me, but at the end of the day I had all four feeders in that property up operational running cameras on them and so I I don't know if I could really say I accomplished my goal like I mean I got that one finished like and you know that's kind of my main property and those are the ones I really wanted to get running but didn't even make it over to the other property and uh So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I tested all the feeders over there. So I'm like, I'm crossing my fingers that they're running. I might pick up an extra motor just in case. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to have to find some time to get over there and get those running. So, so my main property is basically hunt ready right now. Um, like I said, all the feeders are running, uh, all the stands are hung, all the cameras are going. I do need to go back, you know, I, I, I threw some just, you know, cameras in random places just trying to get some summer inventory Um, next time I'm up there or sometime soon, I probably need to go and start moving those cameras to more like hunt locations. Um, you know, where deer will be in their fall range, not so much in their summer range. And so, yeah, still need to move some cameras around, still have to fill the rest of the feeders on that other property. Um, so yeah, as far as my Oklahoma hunting, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, one property is ready to go. One property, I just need to fill my feeders and it'll be ready to go. Um, you know, I have... I have stands hung on you know non feeder locations um oh food plots. So uh, I've got it worked out with my brother. Uh let's see. This this will come out the first week of September, the first full week of September. Yeah, so that week basically like Labor Day week, uh my brother's going to try to get out and spray all the food plots and then I'm going to try to get up there like the weekend of the 11th and uh and get them all planted. And so it's looking like, uh, so we, we harvested a bunch of oats that, uh, got too mature to cut for hay this wet spring. And so I'm going to be planting some oats and then we're probably going to throw some turnips and, you know, maybe some radish or something like in there. So nothing crazy, but, uh, you know, it'll definitely bring the deer in. It'll definitely give them some good nutrition to get through the winter. And so, so yeah, hoping to get that done in the next like two weeks or so. And, um, uh, and then, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I got left for my Oklahoma plots. Uh, as far as my Texas locations, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago that, uh, you know, during quarantine, I was going to try to send off some letters and get some, uh, permission on some Texas places. And, uh, I sent off 13 letters and so far have gotten zero replies. Um, I mean, nobody's even called me to tell me no Um, obviously I've not gotten any yeses. Um, I have two more letters, uh, that I kind of, I held them off for a a reason. Um, the two that I held on to are the people actually live on the property that I'm asking permission. All the ones that I mailed, they were all like, I mean, I sent one to, to New Mexico, um, a bunch to the Metroplex, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth and some other random towns. Um, but all the, all those that I mailed, The the people did not live on the property that I was actually trying to hunt. These last two, they do live on the property. And the reason I held them back was because I wanted to try to see what kind of success I was going to have. And uh, and now that I know that I have basically zero success with the letters, I, I think I'm going to go and actually knock on these people do- people's doors and, you know, look them in the eye, introduce myself face-to-face, and act that way instead of just sending a random letter. Um, because I just... I don't know. I feel like it'd be weird if I sent the letter and then went to the door. And so I just... Basically all I'm saying is I don't have a lot of faith in the letter technique now so I'm going to try to go actually knock on their doors. And so as far as my Texas stuff right now, I I got, you know, my one buddy that has a, a the lease out in West Texas, um not the Wheeler uh one that I went turkey hunting on, different buddy. And so I basically have an open invite to go out there. Um, but he basically just kind of has it set up for rifle hunting. Um, usually in the past, the last couple years, I've only got to go out there about once. Um, luckily with my new job, you know, I have weekends now, <laughs> now that I'm not uh, working on the ranch all the time. And so, uh, you know, I'll have a few more weekends to go out there if I want to. So pretty excited about that. But like I said, I was hoping to have more places to hunt. That That place, it's a one buck county. Uh, and plus since, you know, I'm invited to hunt there anyway, you know, I'm not going to go and just blow away all his deer, shoot all his deer. And so, um, so yeah, so I got one tag good for that place. I was just really hoping to get some other places in these other counties to where I could shoot more than one buck in Texas. But as it sits right now, I just got the one place, like I said, I'm going to try to knock on a few more doors, uh, you know, maybe try to look up some more places, but Like I said, I just don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of faith in the letter technique and I kind of feel weird. I feel very stalkerish, like driving to, you know, somewhere in Dallas and asking if I can hunt their property, you know, an hour or two hours away from there. And so I just, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. So probably not going to do too much of that. Um, and might just have to work on it some more for next year. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting deer wise. Um, so, you know, I got my two buck tags in Oklahoma uh currently have one buck tag uh, spot to hunt in Texas, and so I have yet to do a three buck season, and that's kind of been my goal for this year. Um, it kind of made it a little harder on myself having only one spot to hunt in Texas, but, uh, you know, I'm going to try, and uh, I hope I can get it done, so... Um, the only other, I guess, or not, not, I don't know, I guess it could be a good thing is, uh, you know, if I, if I have all these places to deer hunt, I will deer hunt until kingdom come. Like that's just kind of my passion. But, you know, if this other, if these other Texas spots don't work out, um, you know, hopefully I can kill some bucks early and, and do a lot more duck hunting. Uh, you know, last year I kind of refound my passion for waterfowl. Um, went on one goose hunt with a buddy of mine, uh, went on a few duck hunts. Um, and yeah, like I, I used to duck hunt so much in high school and college and stuff, but, uh, just kind of, as time went on, I got more into deer hunting. I got less time to hunt overall. And, um, uh, so yeah, I'm just like, man, when I see that cold front coming, I just, I really want to be in the deer woods. But, uh, you know, last year, if I wouldn't have had my, my stupid, you know, muzzle muzzleloader mishaps, uh, I would have been tagged out in October. You know, I ended up not killing both my bucks until January um but uh you know i i had a i missed a buck or i had a misfire with my muzzle loader on a nice buck at 20 yards like if i would have had my bow would have been a chip shot of a bow shot um but i had the muzzle loader uh I, I think what happened i've talked about this before but if we have any new listeners i had shot that muzzle loader the night before one shot and didn't clean it and next day had a buck at 20 yards pulled the trigger heard a pop Literally, like I mean, I was l- lowering the gun and bam, and then it went off, and I, I shot way below the buck, and uh, and yeah, so anyway, missed that buck. That would I think that was on the on October twenty fifth, if my memory serves me right, and then uh, that that was a Monday, I think, and then uh, that weekend, I think it was Halloween Day. I think it was October thirty first. Really nice uh, 6x6, 12-point, kind of a non-typical fork-looking buck came out. And um, it would have been a good bow shot. He he came to about 40, um, but uh, ended up shooting at him with my muzzleloader, similar thing, had a little bit of a misfire, not as bad as the first time, but ended up hitting him low in his leg, um, called a tracking dog, paid the guy to come out there, bring a dog, didn't find him, set out a, tr- uh, a few, uh, trail cameras and ended up getting pictures of him about a month later. And so as far as I know, that buck is hopefully still out there, still alive. Um, you know, definitely was wounded, but, uh, I, I think it was a wound he could you know, get through. So all that to say, I had the opportunity to be tagged out, you know, if I would have killed that first buck with my muzzle loader, I think I could have killed the second one with my bow, vice versa. I could have shot the first one with my bow and got the second one with the muzzle loader. I had the opportunity. That's what I'm trying to get at. So hopefully I can repeat that again this year. Shoot a buck in Texas with my rifle, and then do a whole bunch of duck hunting. So that's my very long intro for this week. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, sorry if you didn't, but uh, yeah, like I said, I've just old COVID took it out of me, so I haven't given you guys many updates for this upcoming season. Uh, I am recording this intro on September first. And so I hope you guys, uh, any dove hunters, I hope you guys got out there and, and got to shoot some dove. I had to work because of, you know, taking off so much work for COVID. Um, you know, I wasn't about to ask my boss to take off work again. And so I didn't get to hunt today. I know I'm, I'm terrible. I'm bad. Um, didn't get to hunt, but, uh, so yeah, good luck to all you dove hunters, uh, all you early teal guys. Um, I've never, I don't know. I think I've only early teal hunted one time. I've just never really had good places to go. I have some uh you know some spots that can be decent duck hunting, but it just seems like we don't get that early teal deal, um flush, whatever you want to call it. Uh so yeah, I've never really experienced an early teal hunt. So if you got a good place to go and uh, you know, hit me up and maybe I'll come shoot some teal with you. But uh but yeah, other than that, I'm just kind of biding my time until uh till October 1 gets here and I hope you guys are too. So, we're going to jump into the podcast now. My long intro is done and we're going to cover a few like last minute uh deer season prep things. So, hold on tight because here we go. going talk about as far as kind of those last minute preseason prep deals is trail cameras. So, Now's the time of year where it's kind of time to transition off of those summertime patterns and into the fall patterns. And, you know, at this point, the deer might not have quite made that switch yet, but, I think it's it's good to go ahead and get your cameras moved so that you know when they make that switch. And also just it's better to do it now before, you know, deer season gets closer or underway uh, so that you can get in there and get, you know, all your cameras set up and get out of there so that your scent has time to go away and your presence has time to go away. So so this time of year, you know, I'm taking my cameras off of maybe, you know, water holes, uh, a lot of the field edges and stuff like that. And I'm moving them to more fall locations. And so, you know, maybe fence crossings where I, close to where I'm going to be hunting. Um, scrapes, obviously, is a big one. Um, you know, the, on the property that I've been hunting for a while, there's like this one old logging road that's on top of a ridge, surrounded by oak trees on both sides. And like, I just know, without a doubt, every single year that there's going to be tons of scrapes on that road. And so a lot of times, I'll, find, I'll try to find like an overhanging branch that either has been a scrape in the past, or I'm pretty sure has been, or just looks like it's going to be. Because again, like just the way this road is, like you'll walk down it and count 30 scrapes, you know, and it's only maybe two, 300 yards long. And so usually what I'll do this time of year is I'll just find one that looks like it's going to be a scrape and hang my camera on it. And then I'll go ahead and try to do kind of like a mock scrape thing, you know, just kind of brush out the leaves from under it, you know, freshen up the dirt, you know, kind of make it a little mock scrape. Um, and again, like I I almost hesitate to call it a mock scrape because I'm not doing anything to like, I'm not putting a licking branch there or anything like that. Like, it's just, it looks like it's going to be a real scrape. And I'll just kind of, like I said, just kind of scrape the dirt underneath it, just kind of give them a head start. And a lot of times the deer will pick up on that. Like I said, it's, it's where they want to scrape anyway. It's, it's has everything they need to scrape. And so it just kind of turns it into it. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll go in to check that camera from, for the first time, usually like the second weekend of October. A lot of times, you know, I might want to try to get in there and hunt on opening day or something. So I just kind of leave it alone. And then, you know, when that quote, like, uh, October lull comes in, that's when I'm going in there and kind of checking those cameras. And, you know, let's say that I picked the wrong branch and they're not scraping under that branch. A lot of times there is a scrape within, you know, 40, 50 yards. And so I'll pick the camera up and move it to that more active scrape. But like I said, a lot of times if you kind of get it started and and it's one that they want to do anyway, um, you know, it just works great. And so, so like I said, cameras moving them to, uh, you know, those types of places. Um, I talked about, you know, I got my feeders fired up. Obviously I'm running cameras on those. One tip uh, that I learned the hard way over the years on that is um, if possible, you know, like if you have a feeder pin or if there's trees, you know, what or you know, however you're going to hang your camera, try to face your camera to the north. I know it's cool to like try to like have the feeder and your stand in it at the same time or, you know, it makes for cool pictures. But um, if you face your camera to the north, you'll get a whole, whole lot less false triggers. You know, if you go check your camera and there's 2000 pictures of nothing, what's probably happening is the sun is setting off your camera and, uh, you know, more sensitive cameras or sometimes cheaper camera cameras. Uh, the sun, you know, if you have it facing the sun, a lot of times when it gets to the perfect time of day, the sun will trigger that camera to go off. And so if you're face your cameras to the north, because we're in the northern hemisphere, the sun will basically always be to the south of the camera, and so you get a lot less of that. I'm not going to say it completely takes it away, but it will help a whole whole lot. And so, move your cameras to those fall places basically right now. And uh, it, like I said, it, when possible, I basically always try to face my cameras to the north. So another uh, you know last minute detail that I always make sure I do about this time of year is I check all my tree stands, and usually at this point, I've already kind of done like a pre-check. Like, a, you know, about, uh, I don't know, five or six weeks ago when I was up out at the ranch, I kind of drove around to all my stands, and, you know, I checked the straps. I checked to see if I had a bow rope there, if it needed to be replaced. I made sure I had a bow hanger. Uh, just all all the little kind of comfort and safety things. And so, like I said, when I went around and, uh, and filled my feeders, I kind of, I made a note on my phone and I usually carry a couple extras with me. And, uh, so like, I like to have a bow rope at every single one of my stands. Um, I buy these little cheap ones off Amazon. I think they're like four bucks, have a little carabiner on the end. And I leave one of those at every single one of my stands. So that way I don't have to worry about forgetting it. And so I make sure I have a bow rope at every stand. I make sure I have a bow hanger. Um, I use you know some pretty cheap ones on that. Uh, I get those little three packs from Academy. I think they're like fifteen bucks for three, something like that. And so I make sure I have a bow hanger at every stand, and then uh, a safety strap. So I wear a harness, but uh, you know I I put a, a strap around the tree that I hook my harness to. And so I make sure I have those and those guys, you need to just make sure that there's not just one there, but you need to make sure that it is safe. You know, if that thing's been on the tree for four or five years, uh, you know, if you fall, it might not catch you, (laughs) it might break and you, you know, your whole harness and safety system is going to fail. And so make sure those are good to go. Make sure they're checked out. You know, if you need to replace them. Um, so yeah, so basically every location I go to, you know, if there's a feeder there, check the feeder, make sure it's working. I make sure the time is correct and, you know, going off when I want it to from after I make sure the feeder's good. I go to the camera, make sure I have a camera there, make sure batteries are good. Card is good. Make sure it's taking pictures. Um, and then I go to the stand. I make sure one, that I have a stand, uh, two, that the straps are good. I make sure I have a bow rope, a bow hanger and a strap to hook my harness to. So again, like I'm doing this, I've I've already kind of gone around and got an inventory of what I need. So that way when I go around and, you know, I'm checking all this stuff, you know, if some of that is bad, I have it with me and I can replace it right then and there. If it happens to be something that I don't have, you know, maybe I was short a bow rope or something like that. Again, I have a note on my phone and it lists every single stand that I have. And if I still need something there, I'll write it down. you know, and that way just like and usually I won't go back. I should throw that out there. Let's say I get to one of my stands and I don't have a bow rope with me. It needs a bow rope. Uh, I'm not going to go the next weekend and go to that stand again and hang a bow rope because I don't want to leave any more scent. I'm just going to make that note on my phone. I'm going to go buy the bow rope or whatever it is that I need. And just the first time that I hunt that stand, I'm going to take it in there with me and then I'll leave it there. I don't want to make another trip out there and spread more scent. Just make a note on your phone. And bring it with you next time. And so I'm trying to remember where I uh oh yeah, just stand prep. And so that's where I was at. Sorry, I covered a lot in that one, but uh but yeah, like I said, just make notes on your phone, make sure you have everything you need so that when you climb in your stand, you're ready to hunt and you're not missing anything. So the tips I've been giving have kind of been more for the private land guys, but I want to make sure I touch on you public land guys and you uh mobile hunters. So, for you guys, and I again, you know, I fully admit I haven't done a ton of this, but I have done, you know, a decent amount of public land stuff. And uh, you may not be going in there and, you know, setting your stand and make sure you have a bow rope and a hanger and all that stuff because more than likely, if you're hunting public land, you're probably taking your stand or your saddle, whatever it is, in and out with you every time. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't go in there and prep trees. And so uh, I've done this, you know, a couple times um, get back, you know, scout some public land. Find a good spot, and I'll actually haul my stand and sticks back there and climb the tree, and uh, and just make sure that you know I have shooting lanes. If you're in a spot where you can trim trees, maybe you want to trim a little bit. I don't like to trim a lot because if you you know if you look up at this big oak tree that looks like it's in a decent hunting spot, and you see this big trimmed out lane, you're going to give your spot away real quick. So I try not to do much, if any, trimming uh, on public land. But, uh, you know, a lot of times what I'm playing with is how high I need to be. So, you know, sometimes if you, let's say you climb to 18 feet, your view might be blocked, but if you go up to 20 or down to 17 or something like that, you know, it might open up your view. And so that's good to do. And, you know, just marking your trees, make sure you're marking them real good on, on like on X or something, or, you know, maybe using those little tacks again. I don't really like doing that because it can give your tree away, but Just making sure you can find that tree in the dark if you need to or getting in and out. Um, You know, this one piece of public land that I scouted a bunch uh, about two years ago, it was thick. It was thick and nasty. Um, You know, I think it had probably been brush hogged like three years ago, but then they hadn't brush hogged it since. And so there was, you know, saplings that were like 10 feet tall, lots of tall grass and stuff. And uh, and yeah, I just couldn't see where I was going. Like even in the daylight, it was hard to see where you were going. And so what I did was kind of like found my way through there and I used Onyx to track my route. And then once I kind of felt confident in that path, I walked it, you know, two or three times and just kind of made sure that I had a nice good track on Onyx. You know, if I you know, if I veered off to the right on one track, I'd delete it and, you know, fix it on the next one. And, uh, I wasn't trying to necessarily like wear down a path because again, I'm trying to be somewhat stealthy, but I just wanted just enough to like really see where I was going. You know, make sure, especially if I tried to get in there in the dark, uh, that I could figure out where I was going or that I could look at my phone and follow that path, you know, well, and get to where I needed to go. So for all you mobile guys and public land guys, just identify your trees, you know, don't be afraid to climb the tree and see what it looks like when you're up there. And uh, and just really put in the time to, like I said, just because it's not private land and you don't leave your stand there, doesn't mean you still can't prep that tree. And so, very important for you guys to make sure that you can get in and out, find your way, and and be able to shoot once you get there. Another really important thing you guys need to be working on, and this one you can do from home, is just kind of getting your gear dialed in. Um, And I'm not necessarily talking this time about, like, your bow and your rifle and stuff like that. But just, like, the stuff you're going to take with you to the stand. Um, You know, make sure you can find your face mask if you wear a face mask. You know, if you use Ozonics. Make sure you can find it. Make sure you you know your battery is still good. Make sure you have your battery, your charger, all that stuff. Um, you know your water. if you take a water bottle, make sure you got a water bottle. Um, just all that stuff, all the stuff that you take with you to your stand. Um, a very important one. You know, don't forget to check your clothes. Um, I remember, I don't know, it was probably four or five years ago now. I uh, hadn't really gone through my stuff. I'd been working a lot out of town. Uh, came in for the opener and uh, go, and I put my pants on, and I had gained a bunch of weight from the previous year, and I could not button my pants, my camo pants, and so, uh, you know, that's something you need to check out, especially if you're, you know, like me, and your weight fluctuates a little bit uh, in the wrong direction, so, yeah, so, you know, don't just find your clothes, try them on, make sure they still fit, wash them, you should probably wash them, you know, at least a normal wash, uh, you know, maybe uh, look into some scent-free washing, but, At the very least, if you haven't worn them in a year, you should probably wash them. (laughs) And so, so yeah, make sure you got your clothes. uh, You know, make sure your shirts fit, pants fit, all that good stuff. You know, it's it's a little harder to outgrow like a jacket, but uh, you know your pants and your shirts, that stuff can shrink on you. So make sure you check all that. Um, Usually, I'm also checking my warm gear, even though you know I'm probably not going to be wearing a coat or a sweatshirt October first. You know, make sure that stuff is good to go. Make sure you have it. Make sure it fits. I like to wash all my stuff together at the beginning of the year just to kind of make sure it's all there. Um, you know, lay it out, make sure you got your gloves, all that good stuff. Just make sure that all all your gear, you know, your bag, um, I always spray my bag down with uh, some scent-free spray at the beginning of every year. Um, you know, if you have like a dry wash unit for Ozonics or Scent Crush or whatever, you know, throw your bag and like the bag that you're going to take to your stand, throw that in the bottom because, you know, if you are trying to go scent-free and really watch your scent, you know, you can't just stop at you. You can't just stop at your clothes and stuff. Like, you got to take it all the way. If you, you know, if your bag reeks or if your boots reek or something like that, washing your clothes doesn't really matter. Like, you know, if you're going to go in, you kind of got to go all in. Um, so like I said, make sure, you know, you're spraying your hat. If you got an old lucky hat that you've been wearing for two decades, spray that puppy down because it's, I'm going to guarantee you that that one, you know, reeks. And so, so yeah, just like I said, get all your gear, what you're going to wear, what you're going to take to stand with you, make sure you have it, make sure it all works. Um, you know, if, like I said, if you're going to be using scent sprays and stuff like that, I would highly recommend you going to buy it right now because, i'm sure you guys have seen it in the past when that season opens up everybody starts buying it and it can get, be a little harder to find so go ahead and get stocked up on that stuff you know get you some more double a batteries for your trail cameras some AAA's a's for your headlamp whatever it might be just make sure that all your gear is good to go so we touched on gear a little bit and uh, i want to touch on weapons real quick uh you know at this point, you should have already been practicing for, you know, months and uh, or at least weeks, if not, you know, months. And so but <clears throat> I do want to bring it up. You know, you should definitely be shooting your bow, but you should absolutely be ramping up that practice right now. You know, it. Uh, I was about to say it's cooling down, but it uh, hadn't cooled down yet so far in September. But, you know, hopefully it's going to start cooling down soon. But even if it doesn't like you're just going to have to get out there and do it anyway, because you should absolutely be dialed in right now with your archery equipment. Um, you know, I talked about on the weapons podcast, I think it was several weeks ago about how, you know, even if you're just a rifle hunter, get out there and shoot your rifle this summer, you know, get it sighted in, you know, that way you can just check it and, you know, maybe one or two shots before you go out and hunt. But, you know, you don't want to be out there, you know, a couple of days before rifle season blasting away in your woods. Um, and so go ahead and, you know, kind of do your big sight in, you know, if you bought a new scope or or just it's been sitting in the closet all year, pull that rifle out. And, uh, you know, shoot it, get it sighted in. Like I said, you know, before you go to your stand in November, you know, maybe you can shoot it a couple times, you know, once or twice, just kind of double check. But do all your big, you know, weapon prep stuff now so that you don't have to do it when the season rolls around. And also, so that way, you know, any if there is a mistake or something uh you know you find it now like i mentioned uh, i think in the weapons podcast again um you know i was shooting my wife's rifle and it just something seemed funny and i looked down and uh, one of the screws on her scope rings had come out and so her scope was wiggling around and so that is not what you want to do you know when you're in the stand uh, which is what happened to me Um, so yeah, so check all your weapons, like, you know, that one should pretty much be self explanatory. That's why I'm not spending a whole lot of time on it. Uh, you know, shoot your bow as much as you can, you know, get out there, shoot your rifle, practice, shoot your muzzle loaders, uh, whatever weapon, you know, you're going to be using, get out there and shoot them right now. I can't talk about preseason prep without mentioning food plots also. So I want to throw this in here. Uh, you know, I kind of gave my thoughts on it a few weeks ago, like, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we just, we are not the Midwest here in Oklahoma or, you know, whether you're in Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, whatever, uh, you know, Kansas may be excluded as far as neighbors are concerned. But, um, you know, I do not like planting food plots in August. It's just too hot and usually too dry. Um, but now, right now, like when this, this is going to come out on like the 6th, I think. Like, that's when you need to start looking into planting your food plots. You know, if you did them over Labor Day weekend, that's probably fine. Um, But, you know, just like looking at the weather this year, like, you know, it's basically 100 degrees every day. Um, I don't think there's any rain in the forecast. And so you just don't need to rush it necessarily. You know, usually, like I said, uh, I'm probably going to be planting mine probably next weekend, you know, 11th, 12th, something like that. Um and even then, you know, that might be a little early, but uh just kinda with my schedule, that's you know, what I'm stuck with. So I don't think that's too early. Hopefully we can get some rain and it'll be just fine. But uh, but yeah, if you if you're wanting to do food plots and you haven't kind of got those wheels rolling, you need to do it pretty darn quick. You need to be you know, looking at your seed, definitely, you know, be spraying your grass or you know, whatever is there if you need to do that. Um, like I said, my brother's hopefully gonna be doing that for me this week so that I can go and plant this coming weekend. excuse me still getting used to talking a lot um so yeah so like i said if you uh you know if you haven't done your food plots yet you definitely need to be thinking about it and getting out there um but again like i don't think i'm not gonna say you can't wait too long but uh you know even if you wait till the first week of october that is definitely not too late you know you're not going to get any you know early season hunting out of it which is why people like to do it earlier um but that's OK. And uh, and again, like I, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago too. you know, you don't your food plot doesn't have to look like, uh you know, belly high on a deer, you know, like they look on all the bags and stuff uh, by opening day for it to be uh, good. You know, deer just like cows or sheep or whatever, like they like that fresh, tender growth. And so, you know, if you plant wheat or whatever it is, you know, two weeks before opening day, you're probably going to have deer browsing out there opening day. And so, yeah, so that's my two cents on food plots. Don't plant them too early. By the time you listen to this, if you haven't planted them, you're not going to be too early, most likely. Um, But make sure you get them out there and get them done. Um, I've planted as late as... I think one year, I can't remember why we just couldn't get the equipment or, or we were using it for the cows or something, but I didn't plant, uh, oats until like the second week of October. And, uh, so, you know, I didn't get any early hunting out of them, but you know, by rifle season, like they were prime. And so again, very rambly, uh, talking about food plots here, but just don't plant them too early. It's hard to plant them too late, but get out there and plant them. And, uh, yeah. So I got one last, uh, you know, preseason tip, and uh, that is just leave things alone. Just stay out of there because, um, you know, I used to get so excited about deer hunting and so excited about the season opening, and I would be, you know, cutting lanes and hanging stands and stuff right up to the season. And a lot of times I just did more harm than good. You know, if you can't get things done in the next week or so, Personally, I think it's better to just leave it, you know, even if you, you know, let's say you got a feeder running, but you haven't hung your stand, leave it alone. Don't go in there and hang it, you know, a week or two before the season. I really do. I think you're better off just letting the feeder go, letting the deer get used to it. And then, you know, just the first time you want to hunt it, go in there, hang your stand, hunt, and then just leave the stand after that. Um, you know, that first hunt especially is going to be better overall, Uh, your deer are going to be, you know, use more used to your feeder or whatever. Um, you know, if you're hanging it in like a a pinch point or a fence crossing or just a good trail or something like that, you know, I think that's even more important to not get in there and disturb that area, you know, a week before the season or something, just leave it alone. Go, like I said, carry your standing with you, hang it, hunt. Hopefully you're going to kill something, you know, first time, best time, and then just leave the stand there. If, you know, if you're planning to leave it there all year. <clears throat> if you're a mobile guy, then, you know, you'll take it down and take it with you, obviously. But, um, but yeah, and, you know, let's say you haven't been able to get out, you know, work or whatever it is. Maybe you got COVID like I did and you weren't able to do any of your preseason prep. Maybe this is the year you go mobile, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe you already got a mobile stand or you can order one or a saddle, try out saddle hunting, something like that. And, uh, you know, maybe this is the year you just try out going mobile. Maybe you'll like it. Who knows? Maybe that'll be the way you go from now on. Um, but you know, like I said, just, we've been talking about all this, you know, food plant, food plots and cameras and this and that, and this and that. But, uh, you know, now's the time basically from right now leading up to season when you really, really want to try to minimize your disturbance. Um, like I said, you know, if you get out there quick, you know, move your cameras or and that type of thing, but all your big stuff, you know, all your, hanging stands and cutting shooting lanes and all that stuff. All that stuff needs to be done already, basically. Um, like I said, you know, if you listen to this, you need to get out there quick. You know, we're still a few weeks out from season, but, you know, you just don't want to go like the week before and completely change the area that the deer's already used to. So so my last preseason tip is just stay out and leave things alone because like I said, I think you're gonna be doing more harm than good disturbing that area. Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. This will be the last one um that I do by myself for probably quite a while. Uh kind of the, I'm not going to say it's going to the last tactics based one, but the last one where I'm just on here, you know, speaking my mind. I got guests lined up for the next uh, I think at least three weeks and then that's going to lead us right into hunting season. And so I'm hoping after that to do a lot of interviews with you guys, um, whether it be, you know, successful deer hunts or duck hunts, bear hunts, uh, I would love to have somebody on after a successful bear hunt. And so, you know, if you guys have some success please reach out to me because this podcast is for you guys, the listeners. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to have some more listeners on. And so, like I said, that's going to do it for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Please, please, please hit me up on social media. You know, as, as hunting season gets here, um, I'm going to be posting a lot more. Uh, I really plan on bringing you guys along quite a bit, you know, kind of showing you my setups, where I'm hunting and stuff. Um, like I mentioned uh, several times over the summer, uh, you know, I got a GoPro this year and I dug out my old camera gear, hope to do a lot more filming, um, you know, probably release some stuff on Instagram and, uh, maybe, you know, make some YouTube videos. Um, I'm, I'm decent at at editing video, you know, I've done it, but, uh, a lot of it's just time. I just don't have a lot of time to be editing videos all the time, but I'm going to try for you guys. And so, like I said, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook um email i think i've only thrown the email out once or twice okay outdoors at gmail.com is the email address and that's gonna do it for this week guys so uh thank you for listening i'm really excited about this upcoming season i hope you guys are too and until next time i will talk to you guys later